0: God's holy word, I can be what it wants me to be, my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, I will not leave the same. All right, Ephesians, chapter number three. I feel like we're going through Ephesians faster than we did Galatians, I don't know if that's true or not, because it seems like we were just in, started chapter two a couple weeks ago, but anyway, Ephesians, chapter number three. We're in our series about church being the home. Today we're going to look at incredibly inclusive. Incredibly inclusive. Ephesians chapter number three, verse number one. For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles, if ye have heard of the dispensation of grace of God, which is given me to you, word, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery as I wrote afore in few words, whereby when we read, ye may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. But the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. Wherefore, I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power. Unto me who am less than the least of all saints is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God who created all things by Jesus Christ to the intent that now unto the uh, principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God according to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by faith of him. Wherefore I desire that ye faint not at my tribulations for for you which is your glory. Let's pray. Lord, we come before you this morning, Lord, and we're thankful that you allowed us to Gather this morning, Lord. We just pray as we uh, again look into this installment of the church—a place called home. Look at incredibly inclusive. It can be, uh, Lord, that we would you'd be honored and glorified and uplifted, Lord. We ask all these things. In your name, Amen. In chapter uh, number two, the first part of the chapter, we see the the spiritual. The spiritual unity. And in the latter part of the chapter, we see the social unity. Listen there. Uh, everybody Want you know, we want peace. We want peace. We want peace. That's what the world always says. Is it, you're not going to have peace socially until you have peace spiritually. It's not going to happen. We're, we're not going to be together socially until we're together Spiritually. Listen, I, I, there, there are things in the world that divide us. Now, they, that doesn't mean you have to be mean, rude, or, or, or those type of things. But the truth of the matter is, I mean, I can be nice and cordial and appreciate some things that someone who doesn't believe in salvation by grace through faith, but we're never really going to see eye to eye. On just about anything, because that's a pretty big thing. I mean, under a we talked about a scriptural view of the world, a biblical view of the world changes everything. But I was, I was, we were talking during donut and fellowship time with with Miss Linda. Listen, I can socially, intellectually, understand. You know, a thirteen-year-old girl it gets raped, and a baby becomes part of it, that she's not ready to raise a child. Just being honest with you. 99.9% of the time, at least. There might be a few exceptions, but she's just not ready for it. She didn't want it. Now, I still disagree with having an abortion. Go put the kid up for adoption. But that's because of my biblical view of the world. Intellectually, I can understand why you did it. I I still disagree with it. Now, if you're 20-something years old and you did something stupid, then that's your own fault. I don't feel sorry for you. But listen, having a a biblical view of the world changes. Spiritual unity brings social unity. And because we don't see eye-to-eye on biblical things, Yes, I need to be cordial. I need to be nice. I need to be all of those things. And as much as life and you live peaceably with all men. It doesn't say live peaceably with the saved. It doesn't say live peaceably with the people you like. It says with everybody. The truth of the matter is, is we're not going to have really great social fellowship. I don't know if you noticed it. I think we, we mentioned it last week, maybe even the week before. But there was... Chapter number three talks about the mystery. I told you we'd get to it eventually. Here it is. The mystery. First mentioned in the Gospels. Upon this rock I will build my church. Upon what? What is that rock? And it's the question that Jesus asked them: Who do you say that I am? You are God. Okay, upon that fact. I will build my church, not on anything else, not on your opinions, not on your preferences, not on your background, not on your his- history, your uh, anything. I will build my church on the fact that you're God. Because that's the only thing, the only thing that you have to agree on to have Spiritual unity and thus have social unity that Jesus is God. Jesus is God. Listen, the Muslims think that Jesus was a wonderful person, a good prophet, but they don't think he's God. Mormons, Jehovah's Witnesses, same thing. Great person, well, it isn't God. One can make an argument that even Catholics don't believe he's God because they worship Mary as equal to Jesus. They know that Mary's not God. Jesus is God. And upon that fact, if we have that fact, we can, we might differ on some other things, but we can pretty much be nice to one another. We should be able to have fellowship with one another. Back in, in Romans chapter number eleven, Paul starts revealing some of the things that is going to be come to light through the rest of what we, we refer to as the Pauline epistles. But what we what the Jews and again we're, we're in Ephesians, there's Gentile Christians, there's Jewish Christians. Uh, The church is beginning to be scattered because of persecution. So there's Jews everywhere. But they, for whatever reason, well, you're my chosen people. God made that statement. I'm going to call you, uh, Abraham, I'm going to make a chosen people out of you. But the Jews, for some reason, thought that chosen meant only. That chosen means only. Can I tell you that's not true? There is a group of people today that have the same mentality that the Jews have. We would refer to them as Baptist writers. your chosen means only, and that's not what Paul is talking about. What he's referring to, what God was talking about and especially in the New Testament now, is the church. Listen, Revelation. There's going to be people from every tongue, every tribe, every nation, and every people. I think that pretty much covers everything. Doesn't matter what language you speak, there's going to be somebody from your language. There's going to be somebody from your tribe. There's going to be someone from your nation. Listen, again, I know <coughs> in America, we don't see this as much. I mean, we somewhat understand. We've got, you know, the Cherokee Indians and the I can't even think of all the Sioux Indians. And, and they're, they're, all, they're all Indians, Native Americans, indigenous people, whatever you want to say. I'm not trying to offend anybody, but, but they're different. They're different tribes. There's going to be people from every tribe, every nation, every tongue. Listen, there's going to be someone that you socially should be able to relate to in heaven. Culturally. Your heritage, your background, whatever. And it's going to be the church. If it's going to be that way in heaven, it should be that way in church. This whole... I listen listen, and, and the closer you get to the South, it seems to be the more that, that it happens. and I'm not here to explain it away because I think it's wrong, but I know that it happens. There's a church like Georgia, I think that as the influx of different people groups came into their area, they would witness to them. They believed that they would get saved. But they started a church specifically for different people groups. Listen, that's... I don't think that's right. But if you were from this background, you go to this church. And if you're from that background, you go to this church. Listen, I got myself in trouble when I was in Bible college. My bus route was predominantly what we would refer to as African-Americans. But listen, I, Mexicans, they got saved, they rode my bus. Puerto Ricans, they got saved, they rode my bus. Now, if you know anything about Mexican and Puerto Ricans, they don't like each other. I was told, no, listen, we've got a different bus for them because they can go to a different Sunday school time because they didn't want, you know, the gang fights going on. I never had a problem with gang fights on my bus. Now they get off my bus and and then started, but while they were on my bus, I never had a problem. They never had a problem with them while they were at church with people that were listening. The church is incredibly inclusive. It's for everybody. Doesn't matter your economic, your social, your intellectual. It doesn't. It doesn't matter. It's for. Everybody. Look at verse number one. For this cause. The incredible difference is that we can all be one inclusive group. When we were looking in Galatians, What it says that you're all what? Well, you're all the child of God. You're all the sons of God. We're all... One in Christ. Well, we, I hope that we understand that positionally. There's a lot of Christians and even more non-Christians that struggle with that practically. We're all one. It was a couple years ago, I made people, I I don't try and make people mad at me, but they just, sometimes they make really dumb statements and I don't even tell them about their dumb statements, I just correct them, and then they get really mad at me. Listen, we're, they were talking about how you know, there's all these different races in the world. Listen, there's only one race in the world. There's only one race. We're the human race, okay? We're, we're listen, we've all got pigmentation in our skin. Now some of that pigmentation, more, or less, different colors, it doesn't matter. But we're all, we're all the same race. And they're talking about, you know, they're, we got all these race wars going on. Well, listen, no, we don't have race wars. We have breed wars. And they didn't like that very much. But essentially, that's what you're saying. I mean, whether it's a Chihuahua or whether it's a Great Dane, what race is that? It's the canine race. Now, they don't look anything alike. They don't act anything alike. There's nothing. There, there has to be something that's the same. Otherwise, they wouldn't be this. But there's very little things outwardly that look the same between a, a chihuahua and a great game. See, the, this thing that the culture wants to tell us is race wars isn't race wars. It's what they're referring to as breed wars, but that got myself in lots of trouble because then you're calling people dogs, and that's not what I'm saying. I'm just using it as an illustration. Upside down, that's not good. Look at John, chapter number seven john chapter number seven verse number twenty four judge not according to the appearance but judge righteous judgment we've we all heard you know john uh, eleven thirty five the shortest verse in the bible and and the, uh, john three sixteen the Probably the most well known verse in the Bible. Can I tell you, that's probably this John 7 24 is probably the hardest verse in the Bible. Listen, it's a command, at the very least for Christians, but one again could make the argument for everybody don't judge on the appearance, judge not according to the appearance. That's a command. Don't judge on the outside. Don't judge on the way someone looks. But judge righteous judgments. Listen, Proverbs. Man judges on the outward, but God judges on the heart, right? Well, Again, another famous verse we all know and understand. But can I tell you something? Aren't we supposed to be Christ-like? Aren't we supposed to be like God? The flesh judges according to the outward appearance. The spiritual judges on the heart. Again, back in Ephesians. Not only for this, for the cause... Well, what is the cause? The cause is Christ. For this cause I came, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you, the Gentiles. Listen, John 3.16, for God so loved the world, what, that he gave. Matthew chapter number 28. Preach the gospel to, or going into all the world, preach the gospel, you know. Matthew 16, creature, preacher. Acts one, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost part of the earth. That's our cause. The cause is Christ. Listen, if if a holy, perfect, divine creator of everything allowed himself to die. For everyone, who are we to think that we're better than someone else? Well, again, whether it's cultural, social, economical, educational, listen, there, listen, there are there are people I know that don't think you know what you're talking about until you've got at least about sixteen letters after your name. You gotta have that. Letter. You have a PhD and an MD and a a THD and a DMS and and, and I mean it's just what you know what a PhD stands for, right? You heard this. is an old one. You probably know what it stands for, right? Cool stool digger? Well, if you don't make at least a certain amount of money, listen, there's, there's a community, and I'm sure it's not the only one. There's a community outside of Atlanta, Georgia. That if you don't make at least a million dollars a year, you're not allowed to own a house inside that community. It's in the housing association that you're not allowed to do this. One of the things is you got to make a million dollars a year. But there are other things too. <laughs> Listen. Things like that shouldn't be inside his church. We've got to remember that all of those blessings, all of those riches, all of those things that we looked at in the prior weeks, again, they all came from him. They're not us. That that intellect that allowed that person to get all those letters after their name has nothing to do with them. The fact that that person makes a million dollars a year has nothing to do with them. This is some of the smartest Hardest working people I ever met in my life never graduated from high school and never had a high-paying job. It has nothing to do with them. My my grandparents, I would classify them as rich. I don't know if they really are or not, but I would classify them as rich. Neither one of my grandparents graduated from high school. Listen, I, I remember seeing their paycheck in the late 80s. You do realize that's like 30 years ago. Making four, th- make taking home four thousand dollars a week. That's just my grandpa. That's what my, my grandma just worked for fun, and she took home you know twenty five hundred a week. But they didn't have to. That was just for fun, because the kids were grown, and she had, didn't want to sit around the house and be bored. And you never graduated from high school. The Lord allowed them to do something, to have those jobs. There's nothing to do with them. Listen. First chapter chapters one and chapter two, you always saw the phrase toward us Well, here in chapter number three we see the phrase in verse number two it says you Now it changes from not us it's getting personal. You word. Look at verse number three. How that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery. The perception. It was revealed to me, so I wrote it to you. Both of those are individual statements. Me is an individual. You word. It's not plural anymore, it's Individual, Listen, until you personalize your worship to God, you'll never understand this. You'll, you're not, until you personalize it, you're not even worshiping God correctly. It has to be personal. And each and every person worships God differently. See, we get so offended by things because we grew up in a ultra-restrictive environment. People crack jokes, you know. I mean, here here in the States, if you agree with something, the pastor says, you know, you say amen in Canada, they don't even say amen. They just raise the card. Or If someone worships God by raising their hand and waving a hanky and doing hot laps around the auditorium. There's nothing wrong with it. If that's how they worship God. Now, as long as they're not doing it for sure. You understand what I'm saying. But if, that, if that's how someone does it, then that's how they do it. It's personalized to them. And there's no reason for those people who don't worship God that way shouldn't judge someone. You don't know why they're doing it. The flesh judge on that outward appearance. The spiritual judge on the heart. Why are they doing it? Well, see, God, God isn't as worried about what we do as he's worried about why we do it. See, as, as human beings, we're worried about what a person does. <coughs> why, why in the world did they do that? I don't What in the world were they thinking? I can't believe they just did that. See, we're worried about the actions. God's worried about the motives. Because if you can change the motives, the actions will take care of themselves. Brother Kerrigan works with the people that are, does drugs. I'm pretty sure that while they deal with What the person does, they're not necessarily worried about what the person does. They're worried about why the person does it. Because if they can figure out why the person does it and they can correct it, guess what? It's a pretty good chance that they're not going to do it anymore. As opposed to just worrying about... Listen, we're so, in the society, we put Band-Aid on cancer, as we would say. We don't need to judge someone. And by the way, vice versa. If you're the type of person that gets really emotional with their worship, don't be judging someone who just sits there and contemplates and chews on and enjoys. Saying, well, they must not really be saved. I mean, when, when, when I got saved, you know, my whole life changed and I became super emotional and I cried and, and, you know, that person just came forward and said a prayer. They didn't really mean it. You don't know that. See, we need to understand, we need to get past this idea that Jesus died for the world. And you say, Pastor, I can't believe Pastor just said that. Listen, Jesus died for you. Don't worry about the other seven billion people in the world. He didn't die for them. He died for you. And when we grasp that concept. You want to talk about changing your view of the world, how a how biblical view changes. Jesus died for you. He didn't die for your spouse, didn't die for your child, didn't die. Well, he did, but he died for you. Individual. It's then we begin to realize that we can't get what we have already have. Listen, God died for you when you were a complete mess. That's when he died for you. And everything that we try to impress people with, Why? Look at verse number five. Which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. Listen, there is a spiritual revelation. A spiritual revelation. Verse number six. That the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of the promise in Christ by the gospel. There's a proximity Proximity was both in and with Christ. You can write. I mean, we already looked at it, chapter two, verses fourteen and sixteen. God has always viewed the saved as one way together. Listen, if you're saved, you're you're in the club. Doesn't saved is the only qualification. You die, you get to pull out your saved card, you get to go to heaven. That's it, nothing else. I mentioned earlier that there's a group of people called Baptist Brides. I think that they're the only ones in heaven. Listen, it's, it's not the way that it is. You're saved, you get to go to heaven. You're lost. You get to go to hell. It's it's not that hard. It's not that difficult to understand and grasp the concept. And if saved gets you to heaven, then saved should take care of just about everything else here on earth. Our, Our opinions, our preferences, they don't matter. They don't matter in heaven. They shouldn't matter in the church. Look at Revelation, chapter number five. Revelation, chapter number five. And they sung a new song. This isn't the message, but you, you do realize that there's going to be a new worship song in heaven. It's never been sung before. Just because something's new doesn't mean that it's wrong. Thou art worthy to take the book, to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by the blood out of what, every kindred, every tongue, every people and every nation. This is, this is a glimpse of a worship service, a church service, in heaven. Something for everyone. Back in Ephesians. Back in Ephesians chapter, verse number six. That the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. But there's a privilege. There's a privilege and you're a child of God. There's a certain, you're an heir. You're a partaker. Promise. Guaranteed, verse number seven. Wherefore, I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power. Not only is there a privilege, but there's a power. We talked about it. We're rich and we don't even realize it. Verse number nine, and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world hath, made, hath been hid in God, who created all things by Christ Jesus, by Jesus Christ, to the intent that now under the principalities and powers and heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God, according to the eternal purpose which he purposed, in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by faith in him. Wherefore, I desire that ye faint not at my tribulation for you, which is your glory. But there's possessions. Listen, inside the church, there's possessions. There's also a partnership. Everybody. There's a purpose. Verse number 11, we looked at it. According to the eternal purpose. So we, we always talk about that. God always knows the beginning from the end. And there's just an obscure belief in fact. But listen, God knew from the beginning who was going to get saved, who was going to be in his church. Before he... Listen, I'm I am not saying that Stalin or Hitler or Mussolini or Pol Pot or... Mao Zedong or any of the really bad people that we would classify in human history are saved. But if they are saved, God knew before he died that they were going to get saved. And he still died for them. Think about that. He died for for, them. Whether they accepted him or not, he died for them. There was a possibility, there's a possibility. There's always been a possibility. I realize possible and probable aren't the same thing, but there's a possibility that those people are in heaven because God died for them. Until the moment they took their last breath, and at that point they've never accepted Jesus as their Savior, there's always a possibility for everyone to be in heaven. It's possible that Biden's going to be in heaven or Kamala's going to be in heaven. We can go down through this. It's possible that Trump's going to be in heaven. Depending on what side of the... You might be just offended by that or something else. Listen, anything's... And the church is incredibly... Inclusive. There was a... I I, I say, it it doesn't seem like it was that too long ago. I want to say probably back in the 1800s, there was a rich couple, husband and wife. They were rich. I believe it was in England. It might have been France. They only were able to have one son. And there was... Let's just say he wasn't the most attractive-looking child. Some type of physical... Abnormality. Society never really accepted that child. But they had a... Again, they were rich. They had a servant that basically was his job to take care of the, the son. And it, it, the, for whatever reason, the child didn't live very long. But they, before the child died... They had a portrait painted. It was huge, hung in the entryway of their castle. But when the husband and wife died, the estate was to be sold off because it was their only child. There was no relatives or anything. People came from everywhere because these, these people had some of the coolest things ever. And they, you realize that they were going to get sold off of furniture, paintings, Jewelry, just buku. So people came for the auction, and the auctioneer got up and he said, Okay, we're going to start the auction. And the first item up for bid is the portrait of the son that, again, no one really liked, and no one bid on it. Finally, there was an old man in the back, bid $10. It was all the money that he had saved for his life. And it was the the butler. He went forward and gave the auctioneer the $10 and was going to collect his prize. And the auctioneer hit the gavel. Said, okay, the auction's now closed. According to the will, this couple said that whoever loves the sun gets it all whoever loves the sun gets it all today that's where we're at as the as a christian if we're saved if we love the sun we've got it all i realize if there's not a time in your life where You've chosen the son, we can take care of that. But because of, because of the fact that if you have chosen the son, you get it all. Paul closes it in verse 13. He says, so don't faint. Don't faint. Listen, <laughs> tri- tribulations aren't a good thing. He's like, but don't faint because of the tri- my tribulations or even maybe yours that come. Because you've got the son. You've got it all. Can I tell you that's why you need the church? That's why the church is a place to call home. Have you ever had one of those days where you had to get up too stinking early? You had too much to do? Nothing went the way that it was supposed to. You ran out of gas. You had a flat tire. You were late for work. Your boss yelled at you because your proposal wasn't finished or it wasn't done right or they just didn't like it. And... and uh, your best friend stole your lunch. Some best friend. Just apps. if it was at Murphy's Law, if it can go wrong, it will. You had one of those days. I'm pretty sure that all of us have had one of those days. And you just want to what? just want to get home. Why? Because if I, if I can get home, it'll be okay. So that's the way that the church is supposed to be. If I can just get to church, it'll be okay. That's why it boggles my mind that people aren't faithful to church. Listen, because I know I'm not the only one that has those days. How in the world can you operate? The successful Christian life. I realize the Bible says that David encouraged himself and sometimes you gotta do that. But listen, being here, people being here encourages me. And I'm just being honest with you. I need it. You, if you don't believe me, sometime ask Kendra when I'm not around, when no one else is around. It, she'll tell you. You're not here. I'm sad. I'm mad. One or the other. I'm irritated. I'm upset. I'm angry. Why? Because I need you. I, I, I'm not super Christian. I'm not all that spiritual. I need people here to encourage me. You spend hours studying, trying to get what God wants for you to give to people and then people don't show up. That's discouraging. That's not the way that church should be. The church should be a place called home. It's a place that you should want to be. Shouldn't be. I, listen, I realize that there. You may. We. Well, you, I was in a church one time where I do my best to make sure it's, we're not that church, that judgmental church. You should, listen. Kendra and I were, were talking. Listen, that's not uh, family shouldn't act a certain way. Now sometimes family does act a certain, but family shouldn't act a certain way. Kendra's on a diet because we're going to go see family. And then she she said, I just know your mom and my mom and my grandma, and the list goes on and on, are going to say something. Listen, they know better than say it in front of me. You ask her. My mom might say something that she doesn't say it in front of me. Her mom may say something do not say it in front of me. They know better than that because I'll say something. I will say something. The family shouldn't act like that. Who cares if you got an extra five pounds? Who cares? The same is true spiritually. Who cares if someone comes into the church and they're not just exactly the way that you think that they should be? Listen, I know there's churches like that. I do my best to make sure that this church isn't like that. Why? Because I want this to be a place that people want to come and when you strive and you, you fight and you encourage and all of those things that you try and make it that way. And I think that it's that way. And I could be wrong. The people still don't come. It's discouraging. Because I'm not a super Christian. Like Paul said, I'm the chiefest of sinners. God wants Church a place to call home, a place that you want to be. And again, and I'm not saying that you're not saved, but if you don't want to be here, we're going to look at it next year, I I think. But that verse, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. Short answer. I realize that we may not always have to be here. You're on vacation, you're sick, whatever it might be. I don't think that by doing that, you're not forsaking But do you want to be here? Have you made every plausible effort to be here? Because that's the way home should be. Clayton's a homebody. He never wants to do anything. No, that's not true. Sometimes he does. But we're out. When we're done doing our activity, go to the golf course. I want to go home. After we ride our bike, I want to go home. Clayton's a homebody. He loves being at home safe, security whatever i don 't know ask him why I was using it as an example that 's the way church should be you should want to be here when you when you are sick and you can 't be here it should tear you up inside you you 're stuck at work you should be the worst work you 've ever done in your life now I realize the bible says do everything to the top but i 'm just saying listen i don't that 's why i don 't have a i have never had a job that made me Miss Church. When I went, when it drove me absolutely badly. I don't understand, to this day, I don't understand it. Friends of mine in Bible college get jobs where they had to work on Wednesday night. And the Bible colleges are okay with it. It boggles my mind. I mean, here you are studying to be in the ministry and you get a job where you have to miss church. I never had a job where I had to miss church. I walk in, listen, I can't work Sunday morning. I really shouldn't work Sunday at all, but I can't work Sunday morning. I can't work Sunday night. If you really want me to, I might be able to squeeze it in, but I'm going to be irritated and mad and angry at you, so don't make me do it between services. I can't work on Wednesday night, I got midweek. I can't work on Thursday night, I got visitation. Can't work on Saturday. I got bus route. Why? Because I want to be here. Why? Because it's a place called home. It's home to me. Spiritually speaking. And trust me, I've been in some of those churches where they were pretty judgmental. (laughs) But listen, the church should be a place... Where you want to be, to be a place called home. Let's pray. Lord, we come before you this morning, Lord.